Well, good evening, afternoon, morning, midnight, whenever you're listening to this awesome broadcast of 204060. I'm Gene Mims, pastor of The Gathering at 840, co-pastor of Judson Baptist Church, along with Jeff Mims, his mother's favorite preacher, pastor of Judson Baptist Church, co-pastoring with me, and Jared Runyon, rising music Oh, what would, what would you say about Jared today? Phenom. 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 He's got a great wife. I know that about him. <laughs> that's, that's the one first thing. true thing that's been said about me on this podcast. <laughs> he drives a go. Hummer, or used to. You said and, that? Uh, it's, it's gone. Oh, long, long come story. On, no. Oh, wait, 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 wait. We need to get into this. this is oh, where gosh. where, where is to, the yellow Hummer? It blew I to, up last night. I need to run to the bathroom. I'll be right back. <laughs> where is the yellow Hummer? <laughs> it may or may not have blown up. It hasn't been confirmed. I'm driving it. Also, I hear a loud boom. Right after an oil change. It's not looking good for me right now. Wow. Tough. Don't bring it up to McKenna. It's a bit of a sensitive spot for us. I wonder why. She's yeah. the champion. She's only been telling you to get I, rid of it. I since begged the her day not you to buy the stinking thing. Oh, yeah. And here sure. we are. I told her. <laughs> sure. Well, well, well. Today, <laughs> we're going to th- think about uh, small groups. Small groups are the rage in so many quarters in Christianity right now. Small groups in church, do you do them on Sunday, do you in homes, do you do interest groups, do you do Bible study only, do you age group, do you group it by life stage, uh, do you do multi-generational or, uh, or, or what? So let, let's just start chasing this. Uh, I'll, I'll let Jeff go first. Why, why do we think uh, uh, small groups are, imp- are important to uh, our churches? Well, we have seen the effectiveness of it in the lives, certainly of Southern Baptist churches, for so many years. They were they were essentially built on their small groups because small groups don't demand a great preacher. You, you can grow a great church and not have a great preacher. You can have an effective preacher who's faithful to teaching the Word of God. You know, it certainly it certainly helps if he's not terrible. But you can grow a church with someone who understands how to leverage relationships in small groups, and so. When we talk about that, we see it every Sunday. Matter of fact, I don't know if you noticed this, but for the first time in our history together at Judson, we now have a divide in our worship number and our small group number since you guys left for the gathering. That that was the first mm-hmm. that was the first time that we weren't well above ninety percent. And you know, several things factor into that. We have a lot of visitors right now at the gathering. We have a lot of visitors right now at our church, and they generally don't plug right into small group. And we have transitioned some families out this summer. That typically happens for us in the summers, and moved some people, some other people, you know, checking out some other churches, that kind of thing. That's a summer cycle thing. So now you're seeing that gap. But what we see is that our small groups become the drivers. And if you want to connect to Judson, you're going to have to be in a small group. Jared has discovered small group. He has uh, the ministry we call My Local, and it's kind of morphed. Tell how it's morphed from just this uh, exciting large group to the necessity you feel in small groups. Yeah, it's forming out of need right now. I mean, for, I'll say like all of last semester, we did 10 events. And what we noticed was, there was a wide open front door, mean, meaning lots of people are coming, lots of new people, but there was a wide open back door as well. Like every week we'd look around and say, hey, half the room is brand new. And so Gene was, you know, hinting at this for a while, being a bit gracious around it. But the, the point is our small groups had, a, had a, a, a gap in them and we are going to 
build the relationships that that tighten up the the back door and keep people involved on smaller numbers of people connecting with other people. Yeah, I think it's hard to get a person who's never been in one into a small group. It's it's almost as hard to get one who comes to your church and has been in a small group uh, who visits to get in a small group. But once they get in, it's hard to get them out of it. It is. And I think you guys saw this uh, a couple of years ago when we did the big event at one of the college campuses where we promoted that at my local so hard. We're taking this campus that night. We're 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 asking you guys to buy in. We're asking you guys to serve. And I remember us talking about it afterwards. And it was like, hey, that didn't feel like we achieved what we hoped we would. We our numbers weren't there. And we were talking about it's because we don't have what we think we have mm-hmm. because our small group, you know, those people who are really bought in, you had a lot of people, but not who were bought in. Yeah. That's the difference, I think, in small group ministry. If you get someone who will come to your church, you know, they say a person will give you three hours a week. If you get somebody that will come to your church and be part of a small group and your worship service and maybe serve somewhere else, you've got somebody. You really have somebody who's bought in because now they're giving you, I think in today's society, what is their most treasured thing, and that's their time. Yeah. What I like to think about small groups here, the way we've structured them, uh, gets back really to the Great Commission. And when the when the early church started, they did five things. And uh, whether you've you know read some of my stuff or Rick Warren or a bunch of other people, we all say the same thing. You you have evangelism, discipleship, fellowship, ministry, and worship. And I always want to do something. I always say this. It's a mantra. I want it to be easy. You know, I want it to be efficient, and I want it to be effective. So we've just found that the, that the, the easiest, you know, the most efficient, and effective way to do our small groups are on Sunday. Not that we don't have them off campus and whatever, but the most effective ones are on Sunday, and they achieve the Great Commission by doing those functions. They they have evangelism because the Word of God is preached, the gospel is preached and shared. People come into that small group who are not saved, and they get it. It's easier to lead somebody to Christ in a small group than any other way uh, in the world. We, we've proven that time and time again. They do, we do discipleship there. We build people's lives around the Word of God and in relationship with each other. We do fellowship, which are, is relationships, and we do ministry in that group and with that group outside the walls of the church. The only thing you don't do in a small group at our church is worship. And mm-hmm. so we tie our worship service to the small group, and it's easy, effective. And every Sunday, you, you can leave this campus knowing that we have, we have, uh, uh, desperately tried to fulfill the Great Commission. Yeah, uh, for sure. Let, let's talk about this. It, we talk about easiness, effectiveness, efficiency. There's one caveat to all of those things that we have an advantage of because we've taken established churches that are different now from what you're doing, and that's cost. The hard, that, that, that to me is the one thing people push back on when you talk to them about having small groups on Sunday morning. We don't have the space to be able to do that. Now, what I would say is if I didn't – you can go, but I was going to say if I didn't have the space, I would still do small groups. I just – I would have to do them in homes until I could get them on Sunday morning because that is – if you don't have buildings, if you don't – you know, and that's one of the things we've inherited and then built on the platform of what we've done at all the churches we've gone to until now. So how would you help somebody who's saying, look, the cost is what's driving me away from Sunday small groups? It's a very interesting thing. And uh, it, I, I want to go back into my experience because, you know, obviously I'm 60 plus, 67 years old. But in my experience, I can remember as a little boy going to country churches growing up, you know, small churches that had like a nursery in the back and, you know, some bathrooms, maybe maybe not even a classroom, 
but maybe one or two rooms back there. But I remember, I remember one day uh, in in a church. I was I, I wasn't very old, but I was with my dad, and I was in a church, and I, I was you know how a kid looks around. I looked up, and I saw these eye bolts in the in the wall, and I thought, well, that's kind of interesting. Why would they? And I thought, I just kind of thought maybe they're hanging Christmas stuff or whatever. And I asked my dad. I said. What's that? He said, oh, he said, well, in the old days, we didn't have buildings. Mm-hmm. In the old days, what we did was we just had curtains and we would just divide up the room in the auditorium and then we would have Sunday school. Yep. You can do, you can do small groups in a big, yeah. in a big space if you want to. Yeah. My church in Virginia started with a pot belly stove in the center and the eye, you know, the same, the same idea with curtains being drawn, you know, back when they had a uh, multi, site pastor who they didn't call it that then it was the circuit rider and it sounds like we, we may be against uh home groups i'm not against home groups but they're not the most efficient no you don't get the same no. ratio to worship you just don't you can't because it's too hard to order your lives to go do something on tuesday night and figure out what to do with your kids and do it. it's just simpler if everybody comes together and we do it all at once another thing about small groups that i think are important when you think about uh doing them elsewhere uh, there are two different kind of small groups. And if you, the one kind of small group is where it's open and you hope it's growing. Mm-hmm. I think most groups, uh, I think most people have a church growth. Most people who do groups off campus have a church growth strategy, strategy of increasing groups. Right. Rather than reaching new people for Christ. Is that, do you agree with that or not? I just, that's my observation. So those of us who grew up in the church growth movement kind of get hammered for that. Well, you just wanted to grow people and grow churches. Well, it's kind of shifted now, and it's not that we want to reach more people necessarily. We'll reach those in worship, whether they're connected or not, and then we just want to multiply our groups. But those groups seem, seem, seem to me to be uh, closed groups. They last for a certain period of time, then they stop and you reconfigure them. And it's kind of around you know personalities or topics or something like that. It's not about a continual open group that multiplies itself. I, maybe, I don't know. You, you, you'd have to speak to that. You've been involved in more small group ministry, certainly overseas and stuff like that, than than, than I have, Jared. Has, Jared, have you been involved in any small groups in your life? This is right here, technically, my first small group ever. There's five people in the room, so Man, I think I'm this so counts. Glad. If we this, open a Bible, this is a small group right hey, here. Let's just open up. This is the podcast small group, just like I that. I love it. That's Man, right. Count it. I, I think what's going to work for us, and I have to speak, into the future because this is all kind of new things for us. But I think what's going to work is keeping it really simple. I mean, last night we were at Gene and Ann's place until I think midnight is when we got in the car. Very late. We're training small group leaders and there's this renewed sense of passion around this thing. And, and what the game plan for us is to keep it really simple, to keep it really open. Everybody's invited, um, staying away from curriculum, keeping it right in the Bible and, and really hitting two things, uh, truth and relationship. Mm-hmm. We want to connect with people, but this isn't just a hangout because fun never changed anybody. And so before you leave here, even if it's just an hour, we're going to, we're going to connect. We're going to get to know each other. I'm going to know what's going on in your life and vice versa, but we're also going to get around the Bible and get some truth. I think that's great. And I think, you know, we get hammered all the time. There's all every year. There's a teacher that comes to us and says, we don't like the curriculum. Our curriculum is explore the Bible. You go through the, if you study it through, you go through the entire Bible in six years. Now, I don't know about you guys, but I don't have a lot of people beating down my door talking about how many times they've read the Bible this year. It doesn't happen. So this is one more opportunity for them. If we're in, you know, preaching out of the book of Romans, they're in Ruth. And 
they're, they're getting a balance of all of those things and the full counsel of the Word of God, which I think we need. It's there for a reason. You know, for some reason, Leviticus is there. You know, you have to deal with it. You, you can't just not, not deal with it. What I like about what you're saying when you, it, it's David Francis is the first person I ever heard saying, maybe it was from someone else, said life group or small group is fellowship around the open Word of God. Well, it is, and and my deal is as a as a pastor for a long time, I'm going to make that happen. I'm going to keep pushing, struggling, uh, training, uh, encouraging to make that happen. It's all about relationships with the Lord, and the the best way to relate to the Lord is through Bible reading, the Bible, and whatever. Interesting that uh, we talk about small groups today. I was in a church planters meeting here locally, which was a little interesting. It's my first, you know, my inaugural. My inaugural church planters meeting. I wasn't well received. I'm too old. But anyway, you know, I'm, I'm about over that, really. I seriously. No, I was a great, I, I was very well received. It was a great day, really. But we had a speaker there and he had done some research and written a book and all this. And, uh, he was sitting there and I wrote down, I know exactly, he was saying, here's what we've discovered in research about the most, uh, well-rounded, effective, or whatever disciples. And I wrote three things down. I said, I don't care if he, in my mind, I was thinking, I, I, I already know what they are. I, I don't care if he has eight of eight things or 10 things. There are going to be three things on here. They're going to be priority. Sure enough. He said, we found out that the most effective disciples read their Bible daily. They read the Bible all the time. They just read the Bible. Secondly, they go to worship services. And thirdly, they're in a small group. Hmm. And I thought, bingo, man, that's where we are. You know, I want to be there for the rest of my ministry because I've been there all my ministry. Get people around the Word of God, the only book written for everybody in the world. Let them share their lives together while they're studying the Bible and reading the Bible. And incredible things start happening. People get saved. They get called to ministry. They, they, they tithe, they, you know, their marriages are healed. And, and then you, you take those same people after they've been enriched by that, that kind of close fellowship and put them in a worship service. You can't stop that. It's yeah. just, it's really a lot of fun. Well, what about, uh, there's always a question about should we be, should there be interest groups? Should they be, uh, just Bible study groups? Should it be multi-generational? What do you think? Let's just chase the multi-generational thing. What, what do you think about that? I, I, you know, I've got opinions on that, but I think that in certain situations, I would love to see a multi generational small group. We've talked about having a uh, a senior adult college ministry small group. Jared and I have talked about that before. The cooking you know, small group, you know, where they're oh, together. Yeah. But but I think for what we have found in our church setting to be the most effective is life stage. Uh, and if you are married, we generally will encourage you to default to the younger spouse. Uh, because that will that will tend to be life staging together. Now that doesn't all it doesn't always work. Uh, in fact, I'm thinking about uh, one of our Sunday school classes that sent out a couple that really was probably too young to be in our class, you know, uh, and sent them into a new parents class because that's really where they were. They were parents of preschoolers, and they lasted about three months and came back, you know. And so they 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 do break the mold, but that is by far. The exception to the rule, not the rule. You know, you said that the younger of, of the parents, which means that it's basically men who are marrying younger women and are very immature. <laughs> so that's what I heard there. Well, kind of. Well, it could be. It happens. It could be that. It could, it could be the other, though. You know, I'm, I'm thinking about uh, several of the. Uh, we just had one of our college. Well, they used to be in college. Now they're 
out and married and just had a baby and we were celebrating that and you know she was older than he was so i mean but it does tend to follow the younger uh i think it in, I th- in life stage. i think it depends on what you want to do in that small group if you want to have fellowship then i think it's pretty neat to have multi-generations in there i remember uh when we first came here as interim pastor we had these uh, four fabulous fellowships and we you just kind of threw your you, you, you name in a hat and they stirred them up and you got these two or three couples. Well, Ann and I were obviously the, you know, the oldest couple. We were in our fifties probably at the time. Some, one couple was, you know, newly married. One had been married a year or so. One just had a baby and we just had a blast talking about, you know, our weddings and our, you know, honeymoon and first jobs, first, you know, whatever. And we, we just laughed and just had a, the greatest time. And we did that for two cycles, you know. And, uh, you know, you show pictures of, of your life, you know, and like when you were a kid or what you did, and it's just hilarious. And so there was a real bond there. And all it was was eating and talking. Uh, multi-generation is that is, I think, I think is no problem. Sometimes you need to hone in on a skill and multi-generation is like witnessing. No problem there. Sometimes you, you're, you're teaching, a, you know, something about, you know, uh, life or, or serving the Lord or whatever. But when you're talking about life staging around the Word of God and fellowshipping, it's sort of like we talked in another uh, podcast. You kind of get with your cultures. You kind of get with people in your life stage. And uh, it's one thing to, as a as a young person to uh, a young married person to ask an older person, you know, how to, about raising children or whatever. But it's another thing to share with other young married people your life stage. And that's really, mm-hmm. I think, really special. Totally. Totally. The only thing I miss there, you know, when I'm thinking about, if McKenna and I were in a small group with, let's say, five other couples in a similar stage, is what we had last night is, you know, I promised our our 12 small group leaders at my local, we're going to start at 830 at Gene's house, and we're going to be out of there by 930. <laughs> and I'm telling you, it was it was midnight when we got back in the car, yeah. because it was just so good. And I'm, I'm watching Gene's wife, Miss Ann, ex, you know, explain 40 something years of, of what she has witnessed and observed as helpful leading a small group. And I'm thinking, this is gold. You know, this is actually, this is the aspect of it that I miss in the in the one generational. This is stuff that that you can't read out of an encyclopedia. It's like if somebody has experience in it and they can speak into it, it's really helpful. And so, what would you say about the the balance of that? Like, obviously, it's more relatable for you know people in similar stages and whatever. But how do you look for those opportunities to have somebody come in and add value about some specific thing. Well, kind of what we were doing last night was relating to you all, relating to your leaders, our leaders, we should say, but we were specifically training in small groups. So that was okay. It was a specific thing. When you talk about an open group that's inviting people in at the same life stage, that's a little different because out of that group, you're going to say, uh, you know, hey, let's go do laser tag. Well, Ann and I are not going to do laser tag. <laughs> I'd like to see that. Yeah, I'd, like to, I'd love to see my wife with a little vest on and, you know. What about paintball? Uh, yeah, yeah that's that. not going to no. happen either. She's not even going to get her hair wet. Don't knock swimming. it till you try so, it. She might like yeah. It. Uh, so, so you see what I'm saying? That Then you kind of get a breakdown. Now, we either can't, won't do that or whatever else. But you can manufacture those occasions in small groups and out of small groups. And you can say in your small group with like-minded, like, Mind of people who are experiencing the same thing. Hey, let's do the cooking thing. Let's, let's, let's get, I know some senior adults. Let's just get together 
and do that. And it'll be a blast. And, absolutely. And now we're talking about something that actually blurs the line between a Bible fellowship group or a Sunday school class, which I'm going to call those the same kind of things we call them life groups here, and really what you call a community interest group. So, for instance, our, our youth group right now is they're still running small groups every Sunday morning, but they've just opened up one uh, that they're calling community interest groups. So I'm leading a community interest group with my daughter for middle school students through the fall, because we have 31 schools represented, I think, in the ministry right now, maybe a few more. And it gives kids an opportunity to fellowship and hang out. So normally fifth and sixth grade are only together, seventh and eighth grade only together. We're doing fifth through eighth, and we're doing it at regimented times, you know, scheduled times, specific times through the semester. That is not a life group. Our purpose is to fellowship. Our purpose is to learn a skill to, you know, we'll certainly, our life will overflow into that, and we'll, We'll be teaching them things as we go, life lessons through that. But the primary thing is for us to be together. Uh, and, and I would say that that is completely different than what we're trying to accomplish on a life group Sunday or a Bible study fellowship or Sunday school class. Small groups build each other's lives. You know, even when you find out about somebody and their experience, it builds, you know, it really truly builds lives. One thing about, I'm, we're often asked, uh, you know, about older, older folks and younger folks, should they be in, uh, groups together and, you know, uh, should they desire it or not? I think most, uh, people 60 and above would love to get to know some younger people. They just don't know how. And number two, they're a little bit cautious, if not afraid that nobody wants to be with them. Mm-hmm. You know, nobody really wants to hang with them. What's interesting about that is I would say the opposite. Yeah. You know, and so there's a lot of, you know, illusion there and, and misconception. Have to, we have to, have to manufacture that, I think, totally. uh, for especially from my side. Uh, I, I, I don't particularly have that. I'm always surprised when somebody tells me folks younger want to hang around with us. It's always a surprise because, uh, but I've been like that all my life. Why, why would anybody want to hang around with me? You know, I've just, I just I made my self image and what it needs to be. But when that happens, like last night or any time, those college kids come over to the house and when they live with us for summers and whatever else, we love it. We absolutely love it. I learned so stinking much because, you know, their expressions, what they're listening to, what they're dealing with is so foreign to, to where Ann and I, you know, are. It's just, it keeps us, uh, keeps us in our culture a little more, you, you know, uh, older people have good experience, but they don't have much cultural savvy and younger people have incredible cultural savvy but maybe not the experience to balance out what could be harmful and, and what could, you know, what could be good. I, I think, I think multi-generational groups for the right purpose are fine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I think most small groups are healthier when they're, uh, Bible based relation on, uh, uh, based on relationships. So that, that would be, I guess, something that I would, uh, that, you know, that I would say, um, Let's talk, let's talk a little bit about, uh, small groups, uh, the value of small groups to us at Judson that are not Sunday morning. Some of these small groups. Now you've mentioned, uh, what's going on in youth. And by the way, I just love it that we have, you know, fifth and sixth graders who are meeting with Jeff Mims, armorer. And they're going to be like NRA sharpshooters. No, we're not doing, uh, not what? Doing that. Is that what y'all are doing? Oh, no, we're going rock climbing. Oh, you didn't tell it's us similar. what you were doing. So yeah. Yeah. yeah no. No, no, uh, no blowing anything up. Okay, Just rock climbing. Well, that sounds blow like a tendon that. in your finger. That uh, sounds a little dull compared to you yeah, know, shooting up clay targets or something. Yeah, well, you know, 
when I saw who signed up for the group, guns were out. You know, I mean, that was there was there was no, there was no way that was happening. No, but you know, for us, that's that's going to be an interesting thing. Uh, and and we've seen that. Um, the you know, I don't know. I hate to throw these terms out because you're always wrong. But the fastest growing church in America has been Church of the Highlands. You know, in Birmingham, Alabama, and that is how they have set their entire small group structure was small group around interest. Uh, yeah, I think I think that's fine. I just think it leaves it a little bit short of the purpose that we're trying to achieve. And you know, maybe if you know they, I, I think they have. I'm assuming they have a different purpose in mind oh, yeah. for their small group than what I have for our small groups. And I'm not saying it's wrong. And and in fact, you know, you you might be in one of those groups and write in and be like, your your small groups are terrible. Ours are great, <laughs> and this is why. And that's fine. But the but I do think that they serve a purpose. And what you're trying to do, because uh, what Jared what Jared said is absolutely true. Fun never changed anybody. I mean, you can just go have a lot of fun, and I love that line. It it's not transformative. The scripture is what transforms us, and time spent in discipleship. But the one thing that can happen in a community interest group is that it can introduce someone to Christ uh, who would not normally come. It can. Uh, provide the opportunity for more, as Pastor Jack would say, more is caught than ever taught. And just your presence and being around that. Uh, so this, it is brand new for us in that sense, and I'm fascinated to see how this works. Well, once again, it's the relationships yeah. that kind of spill over. And, you know, relationships are influential. That, that's one thing we discount. But if I'm in a relationship with you, I'm going to influence you. Yep. I'm going to encourage you. I'm going to challenge you. I'm going to do whatever. So I'm all about interest groups as far as reaching people for Christ. And, uh, you know, they've proven, they've, like in the Church of Highlands and other churches, they've proven their worth and value. Uh, but you have to know who you are and what you're trying to do. Yeah. And, uh, we're, know, and we're specific in that. Yeah, Our community are. interest group is going to be for fellowship to build up this youth group. Because when you have 31 schools, you don't have a youth group. Well, and you have it, a conglomeration of people. Yeah. Well, if you don't live together, yeah. you know, it's hard to get together. Yeah. And so you manufacture time. Yeah. This is on purpose. Right. To get together. And then it doesn't matter as much that you're not just next door or down the street. Yeah. And, and what I think, what I think is, I'm always fascinated. I was talking with one of our members whose dad pastored, uh, for years, mega church. And one of the things he, that he has from his growing up times is he talks about the men's hunting trip. You know that they went on every year. They they drove from Florida to North North Carolina to go hunting every year. The the men's ski retreat, the family snow skiing trip that they took. I mean, they flew from Florida to Colorado to go snow skiing. It's dedication. And and the thing of it is, what happened in that time was that church got built together in closeness because now when you're walking through the hall, there's four more people. I know their names. You know, mm-hmm. I've been able to hang out with them and had a shared experience, and a shared experience just drives you together. Well, you're going to say something, Jerry. I have a curveball to throw into this whole thing. Go for it. But you looked like you had a thought. I don't want to redirect. No, I want your thought first. I always have thoughts. I, ha- I have a curveball to throw. So one thing that we talk about a lot is the idea of mixed groups or, you know, just guys, just girls. I, I have this one guy that I mess with all the time at my local who's like, man, we need some co-ed groups. And I'm like, bro, you're looking for a date. Don't act <laughs> yes, like sir. you're trying to. There's nothing wrong with that. Yeah. I'm not, I'm, I'm the one setting up the dates for him, but there I'm also go. like, yo, you don't need girls in your small group. Yeah. So my question is pros, cons, thoughts. It may, Maybe it's less of a thing when it's, you know, when you're in your forties or your sixties, cause there's, you know, apparently less singles. But in, in the space that I'm in, 
what would you advise into that? Maybe one uh, co-ed? I'll, I'll weigh first, and then I want you to weigh in. I think the best small groups ever are men and women. And if I had the space in this church, we'd have men's small group and women's small group. The dynamic Go. is so incredible. Uh, if you're married, it's more comfortable to be in a co-ed group. There's no question about that. But a man or a woman, but especially a man, will never, ever, ever completely open up in a mixed group. This ain't going to happen. It's just something about the ego and the personality, or none of the men I know. I mean, I'm, I'm sure that I, there's exceptions to every rule. But you put a man with other men where he can be just a man and just express himself, and everybody kind of gets it, you know, because we're, we're different in so many ways, uh, the way we appropriate life and everything else. And, uh, you, you know, when I'm in a group with my wife, I tend to be the husband, you know, the protector and provider and, you know, the one, I'm, I mean, we're together and all, and she's the supporter. We, we, it's just that dynamic. We, we get with men or get with women and, uh, it's, it's just, you know, it's just, it's just different. It really is. And it's more, it, we, it's just proven to be more effective, but you're more comfortable and probably have a little more fun and whatever else in a, in a co-ed group. But I'm with Jeff. I'd have everybody uh, separated. Everything is, everything is accelerated. Discipleship and fellowship and building because a man can build a man and a woman can really build a woman, you know, in, in ways that in a co-ed group, you know, you just can't but, do it. But for those who are wanting to date, you might try a speed dating group. Yeah, you know, in the evenings. That could be his community interest group that he starts. Or just put a sign on him and say, look, I'm looking <laughs> for a date. I don't care about this group. I just want a he woman. Would say, he would say to me, man, I'm already doing the speed dating thing. I'm, I'm looking for other yeah. outlets as well. Yeah. Well, it's, I'm already enrolled over there. Yeah, tell him not to come to a group. Just pray. Yeah. Well, <laughs> yeah. as as one as one as one missionary uh, said when he came to our church and, and 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 met a young guy one time, he said that boy's scoping and hoping. That's right, scoping and hoping. <laughs> he that's said right, that's baby. what he's doing, and he said no 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 chance. You know? you know, we hadn't solved anything about groups, but I just want to say this about groups: whether you're doing them off campus, whether they're interest groups, whether they're Sunday school classes, traditionally, whatever else. If you're doing groups, you're doing great. You really are. And I just pray that you'll build people's lives by building relationships around the Word of God and the principles of the Word of God, the truths of the Word of God. And if you do that, uh, the Great Commission is going to be done. God's going to get a lot of glory out of that. Christ is going to be honored, and it's just going to be good for everybody. So hope. good luck with your groups. Let us know how you feel about all this. And uh, we will hopefully get to be with you the next time in a few weeks. God bless you, and we'll see you later.